Welcome to this week's Holo Holo Talk, the podcast hooked up by two Filipino-Americans serving a unique discussion every other week. I'm finally back after a two-week hiatus. My name is Miguel. And I'm Pi. And this week, we will be discussing our thoughts on Asian representation in media. But before we get into that, let's catch everyone up on our monthly goals and how well we did, as well as some news or updates that we want to share with everyone and each other. Uh, so how have your monthly goals been going, Meg? Once again, another failure. Uh, yeah, I know I'm not doing a very good job, but... Uh... I think we need to do a better job of holding each other accountable. Um, but for our audience, can you remind everyone what your monthly goal was? It was, once again, to work out, which I still want to do. Like, back when I was at my peak and working out, like, four or five times a week, I felt great. Um, but just with, like, the rising cases of COVID and just with how things have been going on lately, um, I just finished my second batch of midterms, so hopefully I'll have some time. And then Thanksgiving's around the corner, so that should free me up as well. But for the most part, this past month has not gone well. I had a lot of stuff to do for my internship, schedule some meetings, schedule some events, in addition to school, in addition to... Your internship and yep, your job. My other job, too. But... Yeah, it's just been really hectic, as you guys know, because I wasn't even on the last episode. With things dying down and the end of the semester approaching, and hopefully school approaching, mm -hmm. the end of forever, I'll be able to get back on track with that. Um, How about you? Yours is reading again and something else, right? Yeah, I had set three goals for myself. I kept two of them. I sort of kept the last one. So my first two goals were exercise three to four times a week and then read a book. And then my third one was to start this like batch of coding classes that I had purchased. Oh yeah, I forgot about those. Which I kind of did, but I only, I would say maybe like two to four hours in. Uh, but in terms of fitness, I've been keeping up with Ring Fit, which I'm just really enjoying. There's something about that form of exercise that is a lot more engaging to me than just... It's probably the, because it's a game, right? It's like making you complete objectives and stuff. Yeah, I feel like it's easier to uh, grab my attention when I'm like looking at the screen and I have very specific things to do. Whereas when I'm in the gym, I'm kind of wandering just from weights or I'm like on the treadmill just running and watching TV or listening to music. Uh, but, but when I'm playing Ring Fit, it's just easier for me to like focus on working out different parts of my body. But in terms of my reading goal, I f did finish Meddling Kids, and I also finished um, another book called The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. Um, and both of those were really good. For this next month, I want to finish reading the second book in the Mistborn series and maybe pick up some comics again. But it's been a while since I've read any comics, so we'll see if that that actually happens. Do you think you'll keep the same goal for the upcoming month? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I have to, right? I mean, like... At least until you until you reach that goal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it is, honestly, like, the thing I want to do the most right now. If I wasn't so gung-ho on trying to get straight A's again and stuff like that and, like, build my networking and all this stuff, I would honestly probably fall more into that. I do want to read again, too. Um, Like, listening to you do it has made me realize how much I've missed it. I remember back in the day, like, I would read ton of books like I was reading maybe one or two a week I always try to read 52 a year I have never accomplished that the closest I've gotten was 46 but yeah I really want to get into it I did start a book recently too I started up in the air I think it's called mm -hmm. it's one of the author's name escapes me but it's the uh the guy who climbed Mount Everest from which the like the the film in the early 2010 mid 2010s was based off of it is not up in the air. Here we go. Into Thin Air by John Krakauer. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, 
But it's basically about his tale recounting the disaster that took place when he climbed Mount Everest in the, I think it was the 80s. Um, but it's super interesting so far. He's a very detailed and very engaging writer for a nonfiction book, too. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to read that and to read some more of his other work, too. To be fair, you are reading. It's just not leisurely reading. All yeah, of the reading that you're doing is like textbooks. It's necessary reading. <laughs> not very engaging, but necessary. Yeah. So do you want to talk about ways that we can hold each other a little bit more accountable for our goals? Maybe like a weekly check-in or something? I don't know. What do you think would work best? Because like... Some of the times you're pretty hard to get a hold of because you check you don't check your phone like after a certain time. We can set up like a specific time each week when we check in with each other, like Monday morning or something. I think Monday's a bad idea. I have a class on Monday morning. When are we you should used- just do Fridays because Fridays? Like, I don't have any class on Fridays. All right. So we'll do like Friday mornings. Friday before noon, we have to check in with each other. Make sure that we're at least making an effort to do our goals. Like set aside at least 15 minutes. Someone that I follow is Alana Pierce, and she always says, like, if you have 15 to 30 minutes to scroll up and down on your phone, you have 15 to 30 minutes to work out. And, like, for me, that's about the amount of time it takes for, like, a couple levels in ring fit. So I always think about that when it's when I'm having a hard time starting to work out. Another person who really echoes a lot of that stuff is James Willems, too. Oh, yeah. Like, he always talks about, like, how... He loves games, but he'll never miss exercising in place of games, even though that's his job, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, both of them are really cool to, like, set up these good habits, I guess. For sure. Hopefully that this check-in thing will encourage me. Or not encourage, because I do want to do it. Mm -hmm. I just get caught up in doing so many other things. Yeah. But yeah, aside from our goals, we also wanted to catch our viewers up on any updates about ourselves. Anything new with you? Uh, so a couple of our friends of ours are getting married. And they actually listen to our podcast, too. Yeah. So we wanted to say... Uh, like early congratulations, I guess. Yeah. Congratulations, Alex and Harley. We're really happy for you. And we hope you guys have a great night. And a, a great marriage together. We know you will. Yep. Uh, do you have anything you want to share, Mig? The only thing, other thing I've been excited for is like in about two, two and a half weeks. PS5. The PS5 finally PS5. comes out. <laughs> and like, as we mentioned in one of our earlier podcasts, we both have one pre-ordered. So like, I'm honestly just so excited to play it and to have it. There's nothing else probably more exciting that's going to happen this year for me. I agree with you. I just need to rethink my... Uh, console set up in my apartment because I'm definitely going to have to find a place to make room for this big guy. Yeah, I think I have one. If I put it on its side, at least, it will yeah. be on, good. On its side, it'll definitely fit in your room. But yeah, that's it for news and updates about us. So why don't we start segueing into our new topic? As you mentioned in the introduction, we do want to talk about Asian representation in media. So, Pai, why do you think this would make a good discussion? Um, so, this is something that has been important to both of us, I think, throughout our lives. Um, and now we're noticing just, like, increased representation of uh, many people of color in the media. Uh, we wanted to just talk about part of the history of what Asian representation has been like, how it affected us growing up, and expectations for what it will be like in the future. Yeah, and, like, where we think it's headed. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with some statistics. Um, I know you wanted to like back up what you were saying with some actual facts. So why don't you start off with what you researched? Okay, so we did a little bit of research. According to the 2010 U.S. Census Bureau, over 17 million people identify as Asian or Asian American. 
but the growing population isn't reflected in Hollywood. Um, Asian Americans are almost as invisible in Hollywood as they were about 50 years ago, um, as a lot of studies show that only 5.3% of roles in films in the year of 2014 were Asian. And that's quoted from a writer named Smith and his cohorts. Furthermore, as Ms. Raj Gopal said in 2010, uh, she wrote an article titled The Daughter of Fu Manchu. When Asians are given roles in Hollywood, they are often stereotyped. Men are stripped of their masculinity, and women are unfairly painted as either a dragon lady or a china doll. Asians are also stereotyped as nerds, donning glasses, an exaggerated accent, or kung fu masters and killers, which we will get into later Mm -hmm. on. So, Meg, what do you uh, mean when you say Asian representation? So, basically, what we mean by Asian representation, we're going to be talking about two things, the scope and the range. By scope, I mean what exactly does our topic of Asian representation means and ranges the timeline for when we're going to be talking about this. Mm -hmm. For the scope, we're going to be talking about not just Hollywood, but we're also going to be talking about the newly arising internet sphere. So YouTubers, influencers, Twitch streamers, musicians even maybe, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that gives you guys an idea of like, the type of Asian celebrities and influencers we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. As for the range, we're going to be talking about our experience without and with Asian celebrities that we looked up to. So basically from our childhood growing up from elementary to high school to eventually to college to now, we're going to give you what give you guys an idea of what our thoughts and experiences were during this time and how it affected us. And as Plar mentioned earlier, where we think it's going to go. So with that explanation, we'll dive into the first topic of Asian representation while we were growing up. So growing up, we did not have... um, So we grew up from, I would say, like the late 90s to the mid-late 2000s. Yeah, that was around the time of our like elementary school, middle school. And then around the 2010s is when we uh, entered college, Mm -hmm. the beginning of them. So growing up... We didn't have very many Asian figures in popular media to look up to. The people that I guess would be popular as Asian actors during the times we were growing up would be Jackie Chan, Mm -hmm. Jet Li, uh, Lucy Liu. Um, One from TV that we watched when we were young was like Brenda Song in The Sweet Life of Zack and Oh yeah, I forgot about her. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, to, to our mind, like we talked about this beforehand, I don't think aside from those individuals, there were many popular asian celebrities at all yeah all in all it was very lacking i mean like even compared to today like a lot of diversity wasn't in it but for asian specifically there were like very very little zero to none and if there was an asian portrayed in media they were often very stereotyped like we had mentioned before um so some examples of those are the actor mickey rooney who plays who uses yellow face and portrays uh mr yunioshi in breakfast at tiffany's um, there's also Tilda Swinton, who plays the Ancient One in Marvel's Doctor Strange. And that role was originally for a Tibetan monk, but they it was changed to a white at, woman. For as the per film. the comic, yeah. As per the comic, it was mm-hmm. a Tibetan monk, but they changed it. I feel like I can't really remember all that many other actors aside from the ones that we had mentioned growing up. I remember thinking a lot to myself, there aren't a lot of people that look like me in the media. Yeah. I should say in Western media Correct. here in America. Um, and like going off that too, like if there was an Asian cast in something, um, and we'll, we'll probably delve into this more later too, because uh, one of the people we want to talk about, Simu Liu, mm-hmm. uh, mentioned this recently in one of his tweets. But 
when casting an Asian, Asians were often uh, what what would interchangeable. you say? Interchangeable. Exactly. They were interchangeable. So a Korean could play a Chinese person, a Japanese person, vice versa. A Filipino could play a Hispanic person, mm-hmm. an Indian person. It, it didn't really matter, like, the heritage or the ethnicity of the individual. What mattered was that they fit the role that the writers were trying to fill. Yep, that they were just an Asian. And it kind of just grouped all Asian cultures um, and made them kind of like a monolith instead of... Uh, showcasing the diversity that exists within each of the cultures. It wasn't hollow hollow. No, it definitely was not hollow hollow. <laughs> but yeah, um, another thing that we noticed uh, when we were discussing what other things we noticed about Asian media was that even in recent times, Asians, when they're included, they're rarely included in a meaningful way. They're included either for diversity's sake, so like a token diverse character that just needs to be in there to be diverse think about lane from gilmore girls (laughs) or like even to an extent ned from the new spider-man movies like Mm -hmm. he's peter parker's friend but he's nothing more he he could be any race yeah you don't know anything about the culture or like the experiences that he had as an asian person you just know that he's peter parker's friend he's there to uplift peter parker and a lot of like these roles or these Actors who are casting these like supporting roles for um, actors are usually there to prop up the the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, usually in a, like a comedic relief way, mm-hmm. or in like a I'm a zany character that doesn't really fit in the boundaries. But like these characters don't do anything really for the story, other than to add entertainment value or to help push forward the story or the protagonist. Um, They rarely do anything for the culture and the ethnicity of an Asian American. Mm -hmm. A lot of the time, I would also say that they aren't written as complex as their white protagonists. They're just side characters. Yeah, that's a very good way of putting it. As those who listen to our anime podcast, um, since a lot of these Western Asian characters in media that weren't there or that were there or there in very limited capacities Mm -hmm. played no significant role for us... That's why we latched onto a lot of these anime characters and stories is because, one, they were mostly Asian. Even though they weren't Filipino necessarily, they were, like, Japanese. But, like, having, like, a ja- or an Asian uh, story and a character or a person to relate to really helped us. Um, when you lack that, we'll talk about this later, um, it affects, like, how you interact with people, how you identify with your race. So this is why, like, diversity is so important Yeah, there are a lot of um, nuances within Asian culture as well. Um, So it's really frustrating to me that in Hollywood, a lot of Asian cultures are just interchangeable. Like you said before, a Chinese actor can play a Korean character and vice versa. And that's fine just because they just need an Asian person to demonstrate an Asian culture. But Asia is made up of so many different cultures with so many different histories and traditions and customs that it's frustrating to me to diminish these yeah and to homogenize them into one big thing when in actuality that's not accurate at all exactly there are a lot of nuances within these cultures that aren't portrayed in the media and i think that's really harmful for asians because people that aren't asian that see these representations of asians in media get the idea that these asian cultures are just whatever Hollywood says they are, when the reality is there's so much more to them than that. Yeah, so, like, as we mentioned earlier, like, the way that the media portrayed Asians or diminished Asians, as I would like to think of it, it affected us growing up. 
I would say, like, and how mm-hmm. we interacted with our peers, how we thought we should interact. So why don't you delve deep into that? Yeah, um, I think that a, a lot of humans learn socialization through their peers, through their interactions with their family members. But also media plays a really huge role in the socialization process. Yeah, especially in this day and age that we live in where like everybody's interconnected with apps like Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok. The people who really stick out, like people tend to idolize and follow, Mm -hmm. which in turn will shape how they think they need to act and what they need to post, which we'll get into into another podcast. For sure. Um, And not to say that you should follow influencers and celebrities exactly, but just keep in mind, I guess. Yeah, just like the media does play a huge part, like... I feel like a lot of people learn from what from like watching TV, like how they should act or how they should speak in certain situations. But you need that other aspect, too, of interacting with actual Real people. life people. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you end up like Abed and Deer from Community who just thinks everything's a movie. Exactly. Um, but going back to what I said, not seeing someone that looks like me in the media growing up definitely affected like my my Asian-ness, I would say. So it kind of pushed me to ascribe to just like Western ideals of what is normal and what I should be aiming for and behaving like. Uh, Do you think that it affected you in a similar way, Mig? Yeah, like going off what you said, I would echo the same thing. When media is such a popular thing, like a lot of people consume it. Mm -hmm. When you like see that lack of like representation, especially for like people who need a lot of like guidance and finding who they are at that age, You start to, like, act in certain ways that you think would make you more likable or more popular. And, like, that lack of Asian prominence in media really led us to act a certain way. We would, like, not even talk about our Asian heritage or ethnicity. Or, as in, like, a lot of the media that we consumed at the time, Asians were portrayed as, like... Very nerdy. Nerdy or very, like, goofy or wacky or weird in Mm -hmm. some senses. So we would, like, play that part up of our Asian identity a lot. We would, like, go, like, oh, I'm good at math. I like rice. Ha, ha, ha. We would follow the stereotypes because that was basically what was expected of us. Yeah. And, like, people at that time, like, even in the setting we grew up, would, like, like that part about us, our Asian-ness. Not, like, the actual, like, important stuff, like our traditions, our cultural heritage. What they enjoyed was us mocking our own culture, which, like, in hindsight, is really sad. Like, I wish that, like... I was connected more to my culture growing up rather than pushing it away or being ashamed of it. I agree with you. But I think that growing up in the environment that we did, it was what we did to survive. Um, not to say that it's a good thing to get rid of parts of your like culture and identity, but it's what we did because it's what we thought would help us have an easier time in school. Yeah, and it did for the most part, but mm-hmm. li- like looking back on it, it's not something I'm proud of. No, I'm uh- not either. I agree with that. Relating to that kind of was just like, I remember being a little bit ashamed of the fact that we spoke a little bit of Tagalog moving in. Do you remember we used to call mom and dad, nanay and tatay? Yeah, we used to do that, but like because of the, I it sounds like we're blaming it, blaming the our setting but like that is like how it was because like we were literally the only the only minorities i would say maybe there were a little bit more i don't remember mm-hmm. but like we were definitely like in the minority yeah. um so growing up in like a situation where we didn't have extended family growing around like a lot of other filipinos mm-hmm. we kind of just like adapted in a way that would like help because people in high school know high school's tough people are jerks 
And if you're different, it's easier for people to make fun of you. Yes. So we did things to make ourselves seem like we're just normal American kids. Yeah. We kind of just hid parts of our culture and heritage growing up because it was the normal thing to do. It wasn't a normal thing to do. It was what media taught us was normal. Yes. Not a normal thing to do. I don't think anybody thinks hiding your cultural heritage is a normal thing to do. But, like, based on, like, what we've seen in, like, TV shows and movies and stuff like that, and with, like, what people were doing around us, no one really cared that we were Asian. Or if they did, they expected us to be, like, the stereotypical, like... What they knew of Asian culture. And that's what they liked. They didn't like the actual heritage that we had. So, like, the, the lack of, like... Being open about our Asian heritage really influenced us to act a certain way and diminish our Asian identity is what we're trying to say. I agree with you. You put that in words a lot better than I was able to. Aside from that, like we touched on it a little bit too. The lack of Asian prominence in media and society in general, like it interacted our peers, like we said. I remember a lot of my friends really liked it when I went like, oh, ho, 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 I eat rice. I like dumplings and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Same. It was same for me. I know that a lot of my friends and even people that weren't my friends would make jokes about my eyes. They'd make fun of me being good academically. Or just that stupid things too. Like I have a friend who said that like the reason I'm so good at like fighting games and racing games was because of my Asian genes, mm-hmm. which is something that like at the time you go like, oh, it's a joke or not. But like. Thinking back on it now, how stupid and annoying that is. Exactly. So, like, I hate it. I hate thinking back about how much, like, this lack of representation influenced us. But the fact is is that we did it and we could just learn from it. And hopefully, like, say to other people, too, to not go through the same things we did. Because you should be proud of who you are. And thankfully, that's where, like, society is headed, too. Like, Mm -hmm. as we're going to talk about later, like, Asian representation has grown exponentially in the past few years. Which I absolutely love and adore. Because hopefully, people that are in the same situation as us won't have to go through what we did in order to fit in. I want to show some love to our past selves by saying that it wasn't really our fault, Like, I wouldn't say we were actively trying to get rid of parts of our culture or heritage, but it was just something that happened due to the circumstances. Yeah, that is true. As you could probably tell, like, based on, like, the the stereotypes that we fit into and, like, made fun of and stuff, we kind of diminished our own culture and made it interchangeable with other cultures, too, which is kind of offensive to those cultures as well. Exactly. Like, we played, we actively played a, a role in that which is a little bit frustrating, and I'm definitely ashamed to say that I played to a lot of the stereotypes in high school because I felt like it was easier to deal with than, I guess, constantly lecturing people about what my culture really is. And I just felt like at the time, no one would really understand or care. They or would give just us be a like, chance, yeah. Yeah, they, they would go just like, oh, be you're like, being, you're Asian. Yeah, or like you're being really like... You're too sensitive. About that, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, like, as we said earlier, we were still young. We were still trying to, like, figure out who we are and stuff. I mean, like, that's part of the process. But I feel like if we had seen a more normalization of Asians not being these wacky, nerdy, like... Kind of just outcast people. Yeah, exactly, that are expected to act a certain way, I feel like people would expect... Not expect, but, like, be more understanding about where we were coming from and who we are as people. Exactly. I just wish that we had embraced our culture a little bit more so we would have been better able to, I guess, represent to the people that we went to school with and just other people that we interacted with 
what our culture is actually like and just like be more aware of what Filipino culture is for us. But yeah, even though we did like act through that in high school, that's not to say like steps were beginning to take place. So around like middle school to high school was when like I believe that diversity, especially Asian diversity, began to really boom. I mean, like it did help a lot with us in high school because we finally had these role models to look up to and to like be more proud of who we are. But that's not to say that like we fully abandoned those like actions we were taking in high school, which Mm -hmm. is unfortunate. But they did like help us understand that we should be proud of our heritage and proud of this community that was beginning to form. So like one of the big things that began to take place during this time was the rise of YouTube and a lot of YouTube uh, YouTubers began to rise. And from this specifically were a lot of Asians and me and you got really heavy into the Asian YouTube community. Yes, I definitely remember just like constantly being on YouTube and watching all of these Asian YouTubers and being like, oh my gosh, you relate to like my culture. You're like actually Filipino. You have the same like problems that I have with with like my family and like school and academics and things like that. Yeah. So to shout out, like we, we thought of like the ones that we watched a lot of. The one I think that we watched the most of was definitely Kev Jumba. He's since retired. I would say that Nigahiga's up there too. Yeah. Kev Jumba, Nigahiga. Like we watched those two a lot. And I know a lot of people did too, but it, like it was so cool seeing like an eight, like a an Asian person grow huge like overnight. People would know who these people are and they mm-hmm. would like be excited for their content. But it was also cool seeing these Asian communities grow around them. I remember that like at the same time around Kev Jumba Nigahiga, another Asian focused production team called Wong Fu started to launch. And they're still active today too, which is awesome. But they brought together a lot of these Asian YouTubers and made skits, Asian focused experiences, movies, mm-hmm. dramas, or even dramas that were like western in story and nature but had asians as the lead characters Mm -hmm. a lot of this stuff like was really awesome for us at the time because we lacked that growing up by the time this happened we were already like on our way out to college basically Mm -hmm. and we didn't have like the role model or the influence of these people being normalized in popular culture and i feel like whenever i would mention these youtubers to a lot of my friends they wouldn't really have the same attachment as you and i did um or they wouldn't find them as entertaining or funny exactly like they wouldn't get the references to like eastern cultures versus like western cultures and things like that i remember just logging onto youtube one day and seeing a bunch of these youtubers just like hang out with each other. I know that they had a specific shared channel. Like, I think Niga Higa was in it. Kev Jamba hung out with them too. Dave, David Choi, maybe. I don't remember. It's been so long. Um, But a lot of them were just, like, in California, hanging out with each other and, like, making videos with each other. And it made me so happy to see, like, Asians elevating other Asians and, like, sharing their culture with one another. YouTube was a platform where they could showcase their culture and their Asian identity. I'm very thankful to YouTube for that. Yeah. Like, another YouTuber that was really popular at the time, like, I don't think she's as popular now. I think she became a mom, was Happy Slip. And Happy Slip was a Filipino YouTuber who made, like, videos based on, like, family dynamics. And everything she did in those videos was spot on to, like, Mm -hmm. our experiences growing up. Mm -hmm. So, like, seeing it normalized in a way, knowing that, like... As we mentioned earlier, we didn't have a lot of Filipino family growing up around us, so we didn't really have, like, a lot of dynamics to share with other people. But, like, seeing it play out in, like, even just a video format, like, 
confirmed that like what we were experiencing is just like a Filipino thing. For sure. It like showed us that other people in the world experience the same things that we do and that there is like an Asian experience and it's different from what's portrayed in mainstream media. Or like if they did like play up on the stereotypes, it was to mock people who expected those stereotypes. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so like if you guys are interested, we have like some... Uh, Asian YouTubers. Some of them are musicians. Some of them are comedians. I think about half of the ones we're about to mention aren't active anymore, but their backlog of videos are great. They're really funny. <laughs> so like Kev Jumbo was one we talked about. Community Channel. Her name's Natalie. She's awesome. She's so funny. I love um, her. Yeah, but like she's not active anymore either, but she was. She had a great channel. Nigahiga. He's still active. Not gonna lie, we don't really watch him anymore, but we feel like it's our place to like talk about someone who was so influential mm-hmm. in the YouTube sphere, especially like in the Asian YouTube sphere. Um, Happy Slip we talked about. She's not very active anymore. We have some musicians, too. We listen to so many Asian musicians. Um, there's Kina Granis, David Choi, Clara C. There's also Marie, M-R-E-E. And then there was also AJ Raphael. AJ Raphael's Filipino. And then there were, like, other YouTubers that were just Asian that were, like, part of big groups. Like, when SourceFed was a really big thing, I know we really liked Reina. Yeah, just, like... We usually gravitate towards, like, the Asian people just because, like, I don't know why. It's just cool seeing Asians in media because it's not something that we had present when we were growing up. I would say that we gravitate towards Asians because we do have kind of a shared experience. And it's nice to just see that, to, like, see yourself. And that's not us saying that all Asians are the same. It's just saying something that, like, we can relate to some of what they're saying. And, like, it's just cool seeing, like, someone from that region of the world Mm -hmm. be featured so prominently. Exactly. Yep. But yeah, that's when it made it clear to us that we should like start acting in different ways about our identity mm-hmm. and why like our identity is important because they made they made it like a point in fact that their culture and their identity is important. It plays a way in like showing who they are and we should do the same. We shouldn't hide it. Since then, like even more things have begun to change. So why don't you talk about some of this stuff? Yeah, um, I would say that this growth of diversity and just like inclusion of more Asian people in media is due to like increased social movements as well as I would say globalization and internet access. Um, So we had said that YouTube played a huge role in that. But now we're seeing um, people in TV shows and in movies that aren't just like kung fu movies. They're actual characters with like a complex background and their experience. A- and their Asian-centered casts, too, in a Western society. Not mm-hmm. like not like a K-drama or something like that. So, like, an example are two sitcoms. We've only seen one of them. Um, but Fresh Off the Boat, I heard, is pretty funny. Um, I did buy a pair of Eddie Huang's UBs. Like, he's the guy who wrote the uh, book from which the show off is based, and he owns a restaurant, and he made some Ultra Booths, which are dope. Mm-hmm. But the one that we both love is Kim's Convenience. Um, so, basically, it's about this Canadian-Korean f- Korean family where the parents are from Korea and the children were born in Canada, mm-hmm. which is very similar to how we were raised, as our parents are immigrants as well. Yep. Um, so, basically, it's them dealing with those cultural expectations, those differences, along with, like, the growing up, and like living your life type of experiences too. Um, We really relate to the family dynamic part of it just because it's so, so similar to like the ideologies of like what Filipino parents have for their children. Exactly. And so like, aside from it being really funny and really relatable, 
it's just a great show all around. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hilarious. And... All of those actors are very talented, too. And that's, like, another thing we wanted to talk about. One of the actors who plays Jung in Kim's Convenience, um, his name is Simu Liu, which we talked about earlier. But he recently got cast as Shang-Chi in the Marvel film, Shang-Chi and the Twelve Rings, I think it's what it's called. But, like, the reason that that's a big deal for us is because this is the first Asian, like, it's Ten Rings, not Twelve. My sister, <laughs> my sister looked it up. Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, but the reason why this is such a big deal is because, like, we're going to have our first Asian superhero. And although it's a martial arts superhero, which is, like, fine or whatever, it's just cool seeing, like, an Asian superhero being featured on the big screen, not, like, on a Netflix-type mm-hmm. show. And they're the protagonist. They're yeah. not, like, a side character. Because there villain. is that Asian one in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. And Doctor Strange. And Doctor Strange. And, like, the cast is also Asian-centric again. It's just so cool because, like, Simu, Simu Liu is such a cool dude because, like, he's definitely there not for the money. Well, I guess, the, I don't know. I don't know him, so he could be. But, like, the way he talks in his tweets and in his, like, words is like he wants to forward the acting or the celebrity sphere and the acting sphere in terms of diversity i would agree he is definitely someone that wants to highlight and elevate um asian heritage and culture and make it something in hollywood that is more mainstream i would say a recent example is in one of his tweets he 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 like so like it's really ballsy to call out a, a casting company because like Networking is huge in acting, and, like, one bad move can, like, kill your career. But, like, there was a casting company he was, like, looking at for roles, and when they were asking for a double-eyelid Asian, because they wanted, like, the Asian with the big eyes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and, like, he called out how that how racist and how stupid that was, because all Asians, regardless of where you're from, should be proud of how they look, not... They don't need to look like the ideal Western Asian. Exactly. You don't need someone who looks like people in Hollywood today look or like as a K-pop idol mm-hmm. or something like that. So being he's just so open about like being more inclusive and being more open to casting Asians and not just Asians to the Hollywood standard. Mm-hmm. So like that's why we love him so much is because like he's forwarding the agenda of Asian inclusion in Hollywood right now. Yes, I definitely agree with you there. Another reason why I really love him is um, in one of the earlier Asian Boss Girl episodes, which is a podcast hosted by um, three Asian women that live in California, they had Simu as a guest. And when interviewing, he said something along the lines of, I have the privilege of being in the spotlight. Um, So it's my job to make sure that Asians are being heard and that we are represented in the media, not in a stereotyped way. I really appreciate that he's just standing up for the Asian community. Yeah. And like, Simu is not the only guy. He's just like the guy that we like the most, Mm -hmm. I would say, because like we love Kim's convenience and we love what he's done for Asians. Um, But like, Crazy Rich Asians is another example, but Crazy Rich Asians has, like, another all-Asian-centric cast, and it includes both traditional... Where does the movie take place again? It takes place in Singapore? Yeah, I think it's Singapore. Like, a Singapore-oriented family and a Western-Asian-oriented family. What I really like about Crazy Rich Asians is that you don't really see the stereotype, like, weird, super into academics, nerdy... Asian. These Asians are like very rich, like billionaires who live a very high end luxurious life. And like usually we just see those people as either Europeans or Americans in the media. But it's also cool seeing it because like 
they played into some things that we've experienced mm-hmm. as Filipinos growing up. And even in the few Filipino gatherings we've attended, like some of the stuff that they were doing in there really resonated with our experiences. Exactly. Like the family dynamics. Yes. One, one like really good example is the gossip. So like a lot of like from our experiences, Filipinos love to gossip. And like seeing the chismosa. Ch- yes. Seeing, <laughs> seeing a lot of the the dynamics of like them talking about other people and spreading news from person to person. It was something right up our alley because that's like something we experienced growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, but like seeing stuff like that being brought to the big screen in like a, such a prominent way is so cool because as we said before, these stories weren't told before. So mm-hmm. like these new dynamics, these new cultures, traditions, experiences being shared to an audience wider than we could have ever imagined in the past is truly astounding. For me, I just want to say that like it validates the Asian experience and that your life doesn't have to look like the typical Western life in yeah. order to be valid. But like aside from those, what else do we have written down? Uh, to all the boys I've loved before in its sequel, I've never seen it, but I know it's led by an Asian yeah. uh, girl. Lana Condor, I think is her name. Yeah, she's really good in that. And then recently I watched the half of it and it's uh, basically a coming of age story for a young Asian girl who identifies as queer. Um, so I really like that one because it it delves more into just like the intersectionality of a person, both race and sexual orientation. But yeah, I really I really enjoyed those movies. Um, yeah, but like there's also other celebrities who like you guys may not have known are like Filipino or like partial Filipino actors mm-hmm. that have become prominent. So Vanessa Hudgens, Haley Bruno Steinfeld, Mars. Bruno Mars. Uh, Darren Chris, mm-hmm. like all these people are Filipino actors and they're given these roles that are like prominent, but they're not playing Filipinos. Exactly. With the um, exception so, of Bruno Mars, who's a singer, obviously. So one of the things that comes to mind for me is in High School Musical, Vanessa Hudgens plays a Mexican-American called Gabriela Montez, except Vanessa Hudgens isn't Mexican-American. She's a Filipina. Yeah. <laughs> And, like, they don't acknowledge that she's Filipina at all. Exactly. Like, her culture doesn't really play a part in her role. And I would say that's the case for a lot of Filipinos that are cast into roles. Like, when Darren Chris was in Glee, you don't really know anything about his Filipino background. When Haley Steinfeld was in uh, that coming-of-age movie that I didn't like. Seventeen again? Yeah. She was playing, like... I mean, like, it's up to the writers to to put what they want to put. But for us, having these Filipino actors placing these roles and just making them play like a role they can be played by anyone basically mm-hmm. because they don't tie into any cultural traditions or anything like that it's just frustrating not seeing the filipino culture portrayed in the media yeah. it's kind of just like any other culture is more important than that one so like as much as we love how much growth asian diversity has had it's really grown for east asian inclusion so mm-hmm. like japanese chinese uh, korean those representations have dramatically increased over time and have become more respected in their portrayal in media. But regretfully, I don't think a lot of South Asian or Southeast Asian roles have reached that status or have even began to launch from that status. Going off experience, I do not remember any time a Filipino actor was like mentioned in any Western media that wasn't significant, or if it was, it was very offensive. Like there was one movie where like they were talking about how Filipinos were hookers where they were poor mm-hmm. stuff like it's they never focus on the other aspects of our culture yeah things that are actually essential to the to the culture they just focus on things that they find interesting or weird or like what they know based off of their ignorance of mm-hmm. the country which is a shame 
Um, but that's not to say that there isn't Filipino representation in media. Um, so we recently watched a video by One Down. It's their series called Breaking the Tabo, hosted by Sapphire Sandalo. Um, and she has this really great video about Filipino representation in media. So there are some actors that that are in like mainstream media today. And are portrayed as Filipinos. And portrayed as Filipinos. The one that comes to mind for me is Manny Jacinto as Jason Mendoza in The Good Place. Like he actually mentions that he's Filipino. And he's just like a really funny dude in that show and I really enjoy it. But yeah, like in, in the video my sister showed me like they did parts where like they made sure that the family members were Filipino, the food being cooked was Filipino. So this person wasn't just like another Asian character, but like he was a, a legit Filipino character in a prominent role, which is so cool to see in 2020. Something else that they mentioned in that video was just the importance of not just having actors, um, Filipino or Asian actors in the media, but also Asian writers and people that are behind the scenes to like make sure that the character is being written in a way that is authentic to the culture. And not offensive. Exactly. And, like, you could see that, too. Like, I mean, in the last Academy Awards, Bong Joon-ho, the director of Parasite, won Best Feature Film, which is, like, a huge thing because it's the first Asian person who won an Academy Award. You could see that, like, inclusion in all aspects of Asian media are growing, aside from, like, just actors, like, primarily what we've been talking about, directors, production artists, like, the film crew. Stuff like that has grown exponentially in the past few years. If you look at, like, uh, Twitch streamers, too, there's a bunch of Asian Twitch streamers that are, oh, like, yeah. on the rise and, like, seeing them, like, grow their following and represent their culture and be proud of it is awesome, too. But, yeah, for us, like, the future of Asian diversity is so important, as we said before. Like, we don't want other people going through what we had to do when we grew up. Um, part of us, part of that is honestly on us. Mm -hmm. But, like, part of it is also influenced based on, like, what we saw. But, like, I think if Asian diversity continues to grow and, and to be more widespread, the future of, like, Hollywood and just like the media landscape in general is going to be great because everyone's going to be included and everyone's going to be of equal equal importance and the people that are like watching or listening to these forms of media will be able to know that their experience is valid and that they don't have to ascribe to like a western lifestyle to be considered normal like yeah. you're able to identify with people that you see in mainstream media and that's a really really good feeling and going off that too, like, even though we are really proud of the strides that, like, Asians have made, we still think it does need to grow. Because, like, as much as Eastern Asia has become so prominently featured, I mean, like, I know I bring it up every podcast, but look at K-pop, dude. Like, that thing is <laughs> everywhere. But I want, I want Southeast Asians from Indonesia, from the Philippines, from Vietnam, from Cambodia, from India, all, India from all these areas to be featured prominently and to have their cultures, their stories, their traditions explained and portrayed accurately in a way that respects the culture. But yeah, is there anything else you wanted to talk about before we wrapped up today? Uh, no, I think that's about it for now. I do want to say if you have any recommendations for good Asian media to watch or like listen to, any artists that you want to recommend, feel free to uh, drop that in the comments and we'll check them out.
So that's all we have planned for this week's Holo Holo Talk. Our next episode will be on social media. Um, in particular, we'll be talking about our involvement in social media, different healthy habits and unhealthy habits that we had when we were on social media. And yeah, that's about it. So thanks for listening to this week's Holo Holo Talk. Please like, follow, subscribe, and comment. And if you are interested in keeping up to date with the most recent Holo Holo Talk news, Give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at at Talk. And as always, thanks to Jay at Audio Binger for providing us with the theme music for our show. You can find more of his music on his YouTube channel at youtube.com slash audiobinger. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time. Bye.